Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash spookshow. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Sometimes, here on the All-American Spook Show Horror Podcast, we pause to focus on the masters, subjects, and icons that make the horror genre so great. So join us this week for the Spook Show Spotlight. Welcome to yet another edition of the All-American Spook Show Horror Podcast. I'm Josh. I'm joined here with Donnie. Hey. And the Professor Smoke. What's up? And uh, we haven't, it's been a little bit, uh, I didn't look at the, uh, the the calendar or whatever, the past calendar, but uh, this will be our first Spook Show Spotlight in a little while. Um, yeah, it's been a bit. Yeah, at least since the beginning of the year. So we, we decided yeah. to kind of swing back around. You know, obviously this is a series that we kind of uh, take a deep dive into certain topics and whatnot. Today we're going to be, the topic is... 100 Years of Horror, horror films from 1922. So two days ago, on March 5th, that was the 100th anniversary of Nosferatu, a symphony of horror. So we figured, uh, you know, what a what better time than this to discuss, you know, not just Nosferatu, but uh, the other five movies that we could find, you know, horror films that came out in 1922. Um, since a lot of these, I mean... Odds are we won't get around to watching any of these anytime soon. To be honest with you, I mean we, we haven't we haven't dove into watching you know any silent films on the podcast yet, but I'm sure we will one of these days. And I would imagine Nosferatu will be one of those ones that we get to to take a deeper dive, you know, and actually watch it and everything. But the six films that we're going to be talking about today are uh, and in this order because this is the order of which they were released in 1922. Nosferatu, A Symphony of Horror. The Ghost Breaker, which is actually a lost film, and we'll go into that. Haxan, or Haxan, however you want to uh, pronounce it, a.k.a. The Witches, a uh, Swedish silent horror film. That came out September 18th, 1922. We're going to be talking about One Exciting Night. We'll wrap it up by talking about The Headless Horseman, the one with uh, Will Rogers from that year, and then A Blind Bargain, which came out December 3rd, 1922, and that's actually another lost film. So we've got two lost films and four that you could still watch today, and we've got all that information about if you're interested in watching them, where you can watch them. We've got we found all that out for you, so we'll uh, give out that information as we go along. So I guess you know since this is the most recent one, and like I said, it just celebrated its 100th anniversary. We'll get started with Nosferatu, a Symphony of Horror. Now before we dive into it, I'll go ahead and give out some of the usual information. You can email us at allamericanspookshow at gmail.com. You can find us on all of our, you know, usual Facebook, Twitter, all that. You know, we're on pretty much all the major socials. Our YouTube channel, search, find that by searching All American Spook Show. T Public page, we can get logo merchandise. All the uh, links to all this stuff are down in the show notes, the link tree link. You click on that, and it'll show you all the links to all these things. And, of course, the biggest thing there is our Patreon, patreon.com slash Show, where... Uh, we have uh, video minisodes every Tuesday. Um, we've got bonus uh, uh, episodes coming out every month, like Spook Show Rewind and Crapster Peace Theater. Um, so you don't want to miss any of that stuff over on Patreon. So um, I guess we'll go ahead and dive into Nosferatu. Now, uh, Smoke, I know this is probably one of your favorite ones. 
And uh, this is one that I've actually seen. I actually just watched it because it had been a long time since I had, you know, watched this. Where do you start with something like this? I mean, like, this is literally kind of like one of the ones that really, like, started horror kind of as we know it, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, as far as, like, you because in the silent era, one thing, I guess, to say about the silent era film, there really wasn't a whole lot of established genres yet because, I mean, cinema was in its infancy, so everything was pretty much melodrama mm-hmm. with shades of things like horror and shades of maybe comedies and, you know, things like that. But most of it was melodrama. And I think before this movie, the only one that I could really point to and say it, it's a, pretty much could be defined as a hard horror film, in other words, straight-up horror, would maybe be The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, which was, I believe, 1919. And then you had this one, you know, brought to 1922, which there's probably a handful of silent era films that you could designate as being full-on horror movies. Because there's a lot of them that use the haunted house format or that use, like, George Melier would use uh, camera trickery and sort of phantoms and demons and things like that. But it wouldn't necessarily be what you call defined as a horror movie. But it was the beginnings of horror into the used phantoms and demons and witches and things like that. But yeah, Nosferatu, I think. And like the Cabinet of the Caligari, probably at least two right there that could be defined strictly as horror movies. This movie came out March 5th, 1922. Like I said, that was just two days ago. So, you know, literally just celebrated the 100th yeah. anniversary. Uh, it was a, 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 a released in Germany. So it's a, it's a German, like well, mm-hmm. it would be considered an expressionist film, right, Smoke? Yeah, part of that German expressionism that was a, not the first of its kind, but yeah, it was going on at the early days of silent cinema. On IMDb, it's listed as a fantasy slash horror, so that's appropriate enough. And I'll read the synopsis. Vampire Count Orlock expresses interest in a new residence and real estate agent Hutter's wife. It's not rated, of course, you know, this is before they rated film, basically. The total runtime of it is one hour and 34 minutes, so it's a full feature-length film. Uh, and, and this is probably in the early days of, like, those movies being really long, right? Because... Sometime, like, basically a lot of the silent films before, like, the teens, right, they were very brief, right? Yeah, I know. I know. In the early, early days, it was still like 10 or 15 minutes at the most. And then eventually you got up to, like, 50 minutes, 60 minutes. Yeah. And we'll get to later in this uh, uh, episode, there's one that's over two hours. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Which would be, you know, good Lord. That has to be like pulling teeth now. Like, you'd have to really be in the mood for that now, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Over two hours of a silent film, God Almighty. No, um, I mean, you know, you think back then, you got nothing but time. <laughs> True. <laughs> you know, like, what else are you going to do? Yeah. No, but you had the added instead of having a full orchestra in the pit, so to speak, down in front of the theater, you know, the screen or whatever. Yeah. Oh. But you probably weren't falling asleep. <laughs> it was produced by Prana Film, which was their only release. Like, apparently it was set up to do these type of movies, and then, like, they made this one and then never made another one. The film was shot... July through October of 1921, and the film, it says the the film was loosely based on Bram Stoker's, you know, Dracula book, but this this isn't loosely based. (laughs) This is basically like, (laughs) here's here's Dracula, and we just changed all the names. Yeah, it's basically exactly what, you know, we did in school projects. Yeah. (laughs) Take somebody else's work, and it's like, all right. Let me misspell some stuff so it looks like I did it. Well, it was something basically where like they couldn't get the film rights to the book, right? Yep. With the with the Stoker estate, and uh, yeah. so they he just basically just uh, I'm guessing F. W. Murnau, right? Just decided mm-hmm. to just fuck it. Let's just do it anyways, and I'll just change all the names of these characters, right? But like it's very, 
I mean, yeah, there are some subtle changes, but for the most part, it's straight up Bram Stoker's Dracula. So much to the fact that uh, the, the estate of Bram Stoker uh, was not pleased with it at all and uh, wanted to, I don't know, I don't know that an English court basically ordered but it was, you know, and maybe they were in Britain, but since the movie was made in Germany, the German Germans, you know, they didn't, they weren't going to uphold this. They didn't care about what the English courts were saying. So luckily, not all copies were destroyed, at yeah. least not in Germany. It's also uh, the first film to have a vampire die by sunlight. You know, spoiler alert. Yeah, that's right interesting. <laughs> this is the first time, you know, on film that you saw it uh, happen. Something else I thought was interesting uh, that uh, this is actually in the, it was actually selected by the Vatican uh, in the art category of their own list of uh, 45 great films. Uh, so <laughs> kind of interesting that the Vatican would uh, select this as uh... <laughs> Well, e- even, even it's a very influential film, I'd say, even beyond mm-hmm. the fact that it is a horror fantasy movie. You know, um, not a lot of movies were doing what they did you know, in this, in this film at the time, breaking a lot of ground and storytelling and everything, especially for silent film. It was banned in Sweden due to excessive horror, which is, you know, hilarious now. Right. Um, <laughs> but they didn't lift that ban until 1972, which is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and of, of course, yeah. smoke, you've mentioned it a number of times. There was a famous remake in 1979, right? Nosferatu the vampire. Yes, actually. Yeah. That's uh Werner Herzog, right? And that's one of my favorite, we we did a I think we did a remake thing right where we talked about our favorite remake. Yep, yep. Like a not not mm-hmm. but whatever. Yeah, that, that was an early episode. Yeah, that was a while back. It was yeah. like our, our top three or four favorite remakes or something like that. Yeah, and that was mm-hmm. one of them. I think that was your top one, right? I can't remember if it was the top one or the second one. It might have been the thing. Yeah, I think yeah. the thing was maybe it was my second one favorite one. I yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. yeah. It's been a while back. There have been ru- other rumored remakes over the years, one by David Lee Fisher and another one by Robert Eggers. But I guess, they, you know, for various reasons, they just never took off or they just, you know, kind of died on the vine or whatever. And I saw something, there was some quote about Robert Eggers, like, yeah, he'd spent a lot of time working on this. And, you know, I guess it's something he would like to do. But ultimately, I guess he's kind of come to the decision, like, does it really need to be made again? So maybe that's just kind of the way it's going to end, you know, as far as his involvement in a remake. But... Uh, one last thing we'll add before we move on to the next film. On IMDb, it's got 7.9 out of 10 stars. Uh, on Rotten Tomatoes, it's got a 97% on the tomato meter, which is certified fresh. And it has an 87% audience score. Yeah, um, for a 100-year-old movie to have that, that kind of uh, yeah. rating, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, even with uh, today's audience, you know, that's that's impressive. Yeah, because when I was looking up some of this, inf- some of that information, like, you know, as far as these normal aggregates that we look mm-hmm. at, um, not all of these have that, you know, because, you know, I guess a lot of critics just don't bother going back and going back and looking at them. And then obviously a couple of these are lost films. They can't. But um, mm-hmm. which I thought that was kind of interesting, though, that was it was either the Ghost Breaker or um, a blind bargain. It was one of the other. Those are the two lost films. Yeah. Um, you can go on there, even though there's not like a score. They do have like uh, links to like screenshots of of reviews from like magazines and newspapers back in 1922. Damn, you can look at you know that, where they were actually talking about it. So yeah. that that was kind of cool, and, and I'm assuming that's also probably how they piece some of these movies together since they're they're lost. Donnie, where can we find Nosferatu streaming if if you if you want to go look it up? Yeah. This one has Yeah, a bunch. so uh, it's several different places you can find it at. Uh, AMC Plus has it, Canopy, Filmbox, Shutter, uh, Tubi, Hoopla, um, 
the Roku channel, Voodoo, and Pluto TV. So no, ex- so, no excuse. Nosferatu is is literally definitely. everywhere. <laughs> As of the recording of this here, March of 2022, it is uh, various various places. Yep. So there's no excuse. Before we move on from Nosferatu, anyways, is I'll say that, that I can't remember the year. If it was 2007, maybe uh, might have been before that, but I forget the year. But Shadow of the Vampire is another recommendation. Uh, you know, that's the one where mm. Willem Dafoe plays Max Shrek, which is the actor that plays Nosferatu, and sort of sort of the a fantasy retelling of the making of Nosferatu. Yeah, I've always, I've never watched that. that. I've always wanted to check that out because it looks really interesting. It looks cool, but I've just never sat down and watched it. Yeah, that's a, that might be another one of those things where we could do sort of a back-to-back thing because I, I, I must have, it came out prior to 1999, but I'd, I want to say it's a 2000 movie, but we could maybe do a Nosferatu silent film yeah, and then ca- do it came, Shadow of the Vampire. Yeah, it so. came up not too long ago, and I want to say that's like a 2002, 3, 4 Mm-hmm. Somewhere in that range when that came out, without looking yeah, it up. Not double feature, back to back. All right, so we'll move on to the next one here. On September 10th, 1922, we saw the release of The Ghost Breaker. It was an American film on IMDb. It's listed as comedy horror. Uh, I'll read the synopsis. A young man and his manservant. <laughs> now, I'm, I'm gonna before I continue, uh, you know, obviously 100 years ago, things were different. So, you know, certain... <laughs> Certain aspects of these films, I'm sure, are uh, you know wouldn't be acceptable today. But you know, for uh, historical and posterity's sake, you know, we'll, we'll you know we're going to be talking about those type of things. But we'll move on. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I will add that this movie is one of the lost movies. So you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> there's nothing to go see and uh, you know get upset about. Yeah. But a young man and his manservant, escaping from a backwoods family feud, are persuaded. <laughs> by a beautiful young heiress to help her rid her newly gained Spanish castle of ghosts. The ghostly sightings, however, are the handiwork of the Duke de Alba, who hopes to seize the castle's hidden treasure and use it to win the hand of the heiress. So, obviously, like I said, it's a comedy. This film is lost, and according to the American Silent Feature Film Survival Database, there are no known holdings located in archives. Now, I think when we've often talked about those type of things in the past, like... It wouldn't surprise you one of these days some old theater, you know, finally digs in their attic or their basement or something. And like, holy shit, here's a here's a treasure trove of old lost films. You know, I, I doubt it, but you never know, right? It is it is possible. Things have been found this way. Yep. Yep. If they don't find it, there's always the remake. There was the Ghost Breakers in, I think, 1940. And then it was remade again in 1952 as Scared Stiff. Yeah. So there are at least two different other versions there. The Ghostbreakers in 1940 was Bob Ho- had Bob Hope in it, and Scared Stiff had Jerry Lewis and Dean Martin. So you got classic comedy uh, acts and duos there. Uh, you know, have their own versions of this film. So yeah, I'm sure it's different. But you know, if you want to get a flavor for what it was, you can go check those out. Um, this uh, was actually also one of Wallace Reed's last films. Now apparently, uh, uh, Wallace Reed was one of the biggest stars of the time, you know, of the, like the teens and the twenties. Um, he was like one of Paramount pictures, first big stars of, of silent film and everything. And he actually died right around the time. It was either right at, right when this film was released or shortly after this film was released, he died of like, uh, basically he got, there was, he had an accident on the set of making another film and then he got addicted to morphine. And then apparently you combine that with like he had some alcohol issues. Mm-hmm. He went downhill pretty quick from what I understand. Like he b- basically died in a sanitarium at the age of 31. <laughs> and it was a big, big scandal, big to do back, yeah. you know, back in that time period, obviously. But yeah, um, this was basically like his last thing that he did. I think there might've been one or two other projects that came out 
possibly after he passed. But yeah, this is basically his last film. And, and unfortunately, it's lost to time. It's also based on a 1909 play by Paul Dickey and Charles W. Goddard. And there was actually, believe it or not, there was actually another version of it that came out before this one. The first version came out in 1914, and it was actually directed by Cecil B. Cecil B. DeMille and Oscar Apfel. Um, now, mm. that was more of like a let's put the play to film kind of thing. You know, yeah. I don't know if it was directly adapted screenplay type thing, you know. But so, yeah, there was actually another version. And then the other two that we talked about, the Ghost Breakers in 40 and then uh, Scared Stiff in 1953. So various versions of it, even though this particular version is lost to time. It, yeah. you know, other versions still exist. So that's kind of cool. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Delicious things to eat. The popcorn can't be beat. The sparkling drinks are just dandy. The chocolate bars and the candy. So let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. The next one that we have came out on September 18th, 1922, and it's called Haxan, or Haxan, a.k.a. The Witches. That's a Swedish uh, documentary slash fantasy slash history, according to IMDb. Um, no. the, the synopsis is fictionalized documentary showing the evolution of witchcraft from its pagan roots to its confusion with hysteria in Eastern Europe. It's not rated, of course, and the total runtime was one hour and 31 minutes. Smoke, you, I know you've, I think you've said before in the past you were a fan of this film, right? Yeah, this one, uh, I, the, I came across it on VHS back in the day under the title Witchcraft Through the Ages, and it, it was the silent film, but it had a narration by William S. Burroughs, the beat poet. Uh, and that was interesting. <laughs> so that was my first introduction to it. I mean, I knew it was from the 20s and that this was a separate narration thing, but that I think they, they did release this on DVD with a separate audio track with the William F. Burroughs narration as well. Yeah, that, that was one thing, what you just pointed out was one thing I found when I was doing some research on it is that that was a re-edited re-release in 1968 in the United States by Metro Pictures Corp. And it was released, like you said, as Witchcraft Through the Ages. The added narration by William S. Burroughs and it had like a jazz score added to it, which is kind of weird, right, compared to what, what the original version would have been. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, it's interesting because you hear William Burroughs, and there's certain scenes, and there's there's one specific scene where if you know anything about like witchcraft and satanic folklore from back in the day. One of the things that that witches were purported to do was you know to show subservience to the devil was they had to kiss the devil's ass, <laughs> basically, <laughs> like. Really. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's there where uh, William S. Burroughs is like, and they kiss the devil's arse. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that alone is worth the price of admission. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Director Benjamin Christensen also wrote and starred in the film, uh, which I would imagine that probably wasn't a strange thing back then, right? Yeah. You know? Well, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I, don't I don't know a lot about, you know, early Hollywood history and, you know, silent films and everything, but I, yeah. that just seems like th something I've ran across before. So, like, I don't think it was a strange occurrence back then for, like, you know, the guy that maybe wrote it and or directed it to also star in it, you know? Well, that is, that is also true. I believe uh, Buster Keaton did that as well. Yeah. And, of course, uh, you know, one of the 
most famous, most popular movies of all all time, Citizen Kane, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Orson Welles definitely acted yeah. in just mm-hmm. about every one of the movies he directed, anyways. In addition to playing the devil, Benjamin Christensen, he also has a brief appearance as Christ, and he also appears as himself in the very first shot of the film. So he's all over this bad boy. Uh, <laughs> it was film. Yep. It was filmed February through October of 1921. And it's almost the entire year. Yeah, well. That's about. Yeah, well, you know, with as much, like, special effects stuff as they had in this one, I'm sure that, you know, yeah. slowed things yeah, there was, down. This is, this is definitely one I could recommend to uh, even people who maybe don't think they would like a silent film as far as maybe they think they'd be bored or whatever. There's a lot of stuff going on in this one because it's got that pseudo-documentary thing to it, too. I don't think this one gets boring at all. Yeah. Yeah, some of the special effects they use in this were puppetry, Stop motion animation, obviously uh, effects makeup, superimposition, reverse motion. So some of these things were, you know, not something commonly used in 1921 or 1922 here. So, you know, a lot of cool stuff going on. It was originally released in 1922, but didn't release here in the United States until 1929. And the original Swedish version, there have been multiple restorations by the Swedish Film Institute on that. Four that I could find in 1976, 2007... 2012 and 2016 and i believe the one in 2016 was like a digital restoration that was the first time mm. it was a digital restoration the uh, actually the creators of the blair witch project uh hacks and films they they took their uh their name from this uh this movie there was also uh which i'm sure uh, uh maybe smoke will uh, recall a screenshot of the uh of the film was uh was used in the um used by Mayhem, which is a Norwegian black metal band, uh, for their uh, uh, they had an album uh, Chimera, I think, yep. came out several years ago. Smokey, yeah, you, pro- yeah. you probably have that in the archive. I mean, don't you? <laughs> I actually, I have the right here. I have the image today. Initially, I believe you. Well, you know, no, the viewers or the people listening won't be able to see it, but if I can get this, yeah, <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe you can get. <laughs> Maybe you can put a shot of that up on the uh, on the socials. That'd be yeah, kind of cool. Yeah. Whenever, whenever this uh, episode comes out, that'd be cool. That up right now, but yes, I'll do it on the socials. Yeah, yeah. So everybody yeah. can see. So that, you know, since this isn't a lost one, there are some ratings. IMDb seven point six out of ten stars on Rotten Tomatoes, ninety one percent on the Tomato Meter, and then eighty one percent on the audience score. Still not as high as Nosferatu, of course, but still pretty high marks for. Uh, for one as old as that and could you find this streaming anywhere donnie uh yeah uh, you can find haxon at um hbo max uh the criterion channel and also canopy yeah I'm, i wanted to you know check this one out because i've never seen this one i've heard of it of course but i've never sat down and watched mm-hmm. it and i wanted to check it out before we recorded but i never got an opportunity to got a lot of yeah. other other uh spook show related things going on so i didn't Same. get a chance to sit down yep. and watch it but <laughs> yeah but you know it's on hbo max i've got access to that so I, i'm gonna um Sooner or later, I'm going to check that out. Uh, then on October 2nd, 1922, we had One Exciting Night, another American release. And on IMDb, it's listed as a comedy slash horror slash mystery. The synopsis is a young orphan girl courted by an unpleasant older wealthy man <laughs> who has a hold over her adoptive mother. Sounds real pleasant, right? Uh, falls in love with a young stranger at a party. Odd noises begin to be heard as a group of bootleggers clandestinely <laughs> try to get away with their hidden loot. One of them is killed, and the young man is suspected of being the killer. It's not rated, of course, but the total runtime is two hours and eight minutes. Oof. 
<laughs> so yeah. Like, yeah, that's a, that's a that's a fucking long one there. <laughs> Regardless of if it's a silent film or not, right? Take yeah, that out still, of the yeah, equation. That's... Anything that's over two hours, man, you better you better have something solid there. Um, yeah. Of course, now the theme of uh, of a murder mystery slash old dark house, uh, if for this movie is similar to the Ghostbreaker. So mm-hmm. there, there's a thematically there is a, a comparison to the Ghostbreaker, you know that lost film that we just talked about. You know something I I thought was interesting when I was uh, kind of reading about this. Um, this was actually the very first very first film that um, was essentially broadcast over the over the radio. So what they did it it was actually at the premiere of the Apollo. Um, I'm sorry, at the Apollo uh, in in New York. Um, but it premiered October, you know, 1922, like we, like we mentioned previously, uh, but bell telephone, uh, they basically set up this device, um, that aired the film over the radio, uh, where they could, where, you know, listeners, uh, could essentially follow the progress, uh, of the film by the music of the orchestra. Uh, and also, you know, the audience's uh, reaction. That sounds crazy now because we're not used to consuming things that way. Yeah. But in, of that time, that would have made sense, you know, because everyone, because remember, there's always like people you hear of people like back then saying like, oh, oh TV, that'll never catch on. Right. Mm-hmm. Radio's the way, you know, so like there's, you know, a whole generation of people. That's just what they were used to was listening to shit and, you know, the, uh, using your imagination so to speak you could hear yeah. it and you could kind of see it playing out the theater of the mind so to speak you know so like mm-hmm. once again like i said that sounds crazy now but in 1922 this would have been like cutting edge like oh this is cool you know yeah director dw griffith for this film his only movie released in 1922 and a mere drop in the bucket to his 520 directing credits on imdb mostly shorts the little thing that we pulled here 148 shorts in 1909 or if you want to put it, you know, mathematically break it down, that's one in every two and a half days this dude was putting out. So that is, that is crazy. And we talked about how, like, the length of movies, you know, back then too, right? So even though they were shorts. Yeah, still yet. The output, I mean, some, and you hear this too, like of, uh, say, like old Three Stooges and, you know, and, and other things. The output in some of these studio things was crazy, man. I mean, like, yeah. just I- insane. Like, the you know, just cranking them out. You know, I mean... Shit, we've to release 148 movies, no matter what. No, I mean, even today's uh, YouTubers, content creators, you know, you're you think about out, unless you're doing live streams, like you're not, they're not even put have that no. kind of output now. I, no. I dare say that's no, that's that's, crazy. Uh, that's that's pretty impressive. By even if it's you know, uh, 10 15 minute videos or less than that, even yeah, one every two and a two and a half days now. Um, now, granted, that was 1909 when, you know, you said uh, 148 of those uh, short films he, he made. Yeah. Uh, this was his only movie that he did in 1922. Uh, and <laughs> so I guess, you know, so he used all two-hour, uh, was it two-hour, eight minutes? True. Like, for a guy that's used to doing that, making a two-hour, yep. two eight-minute movie probably seemed like a lot, you know, like a lifetime to uh to make something that long for him um it did have a vhs release back in the 90s and then there was a dvd release uh back in march of 2014 by alpha video um there was no aggregate score on rotten tomatoes but on imdb it had 5.4 out of 10 stars so we just figured we'd uh 
mention that. Did you find any streaming for this one, Donnie? Yeah, I was able to find uh, it on Epics, Fandor, and uh, Paramount+. Plus. The next movie we have came out November 5th, 1922. It's another American uh, production, and it was called The Headless Horseman. It, on IMDb, it's listed as a comedy slash drama slash horror. Uh, the synopsis is, The village of Sleepy Hollow is getting ready to greet the new school teacher, Ichabod Crane, who is coming from New York. Crane has already heard of the village's legendary ghost, a headless horseman, who is said to be searching for the head that he lost in battle. It's not rated, and the total runtime is one hour and 15 minutes, so this is like a, a walk in the park compared to uh, oh, yeah. uh, one, one exciting night there, right? This one was interesting, you know, just because it stars Will Rogers, you know, who was like uh, one of the biggest stars of, like, say, like, the you know, the 19-teens all the way through the 30s. Uh, mm-hmm. on, on vaudeville and everything. And uh, unfortunately, he actually died in a plane crash in 1935. So, he, you know, his life was cut short. But he was definitely one of the biggest stars of the time. And I think, like, there's still a lot of stuff in Hollywood in that area still named after Will Rogers. Like, you know, one of the mm-hmm. one of the first really big yeah. movie stars, you know. Stars, yeah. Um, and it also stars Lois Meredith, who this was her last major film. Um, she passed some years later, but for whatever reason, I guess, you know, like after this, she went on to something else. This is also known for being the first panchromatic black and white feature film. So basically like all modern film is this type of, um, is the, is this type of film is panchromatic. Cause apparently mm-hmm. before that it was called something else like orthochromatic or something like that. I, I can't remember what the, uh term was but it was something different before this and this was the first very volatile type of type of film yeah uh, i believe so and, and they use a lot of that type of stuff back into like the mm. nitrate or whatever yeah um yeah that stuff was very dangerous and we'll, and we'll get into we'll talk a little bit about that here in just a second when we move into the last movie a blind bargain uh, mm-hmm. because that that is uh, an important part of that story there were three silent film versions of this story and this this version from 1922 with Will Rogers is the only one that still exists, the only one that has survived time. The other two versions, who I'm not you know sure was who was in those or whatever, and what years those came out, um, yeah, they don't exist anymore. So I guess this would be probably one of the oldest versions of the you know the story of Sleepy Hollow still around. And interesting enough too, it was also filmed in the Hudson River Valley around Terrytown, New York, which is actually the setting of Washington Irving's original table mm. over on imdb it has a 4.9 out of 10 stars on rotten tomatoes it, it didn't have enough reviews to uh, have a score on the tomato meter but it did on the audience mm. score it had 43 percent um could you find where we could watch this one if it was available anywhere Donnie? yeah you can uh, check it out on epics and paramount plus you know if that uh tickles your fancy so yeah. to speak <laughs> this version which, by now, here in the year 2022, 100 years later, how many fucking yeah. versions of this story have there been? Jesus. I, You know what? When I was uh, um, just kind of looking it up, I was like, do we really have to talk about, uh, you know, the the <laughs> synopsis of the Headless yeah, Horse? True, I mean, true, it's yeah. Been, it's been told and retold. Everybody I mean, knows. Shit, I think, you know, uh, even Peanuts has covered it, yeah. you know? <laughs> <laughs> Some there, variation. Yeah, and, and we 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 talked about the uh, the Disney version, you know, the one from the '60s. We we talked about that one before. Yeah, uh, I think just last year sometime. But um, Smoke, have you had a chance to watch this version of it? I've not seen the silent version of it yet. But mm-hmm. uh, talking about different versions of Sleepy Hollow, though, there is also one that I remember watching on. I don't know if it's a TV movie, but I remember seeing it on TV back in I guess the '80s, early '80s. Was a uh, Jeff Goldblum playing yeah. the uh, Train. <laughs> 
I saw some somebody posted something about that recently, and I, and I like watched the trailer for it. But yeah, I think that whole movie is uh, uh, available on YouTube, like that version that you're talking about, the one with Jeff Goldblum. So I think mm. that was like one of those NBC uh, movie of the week yeah. type of deals too. But yeah, I knew I know that's how I saw it back in the day, and I haven't seen it since back then. But whatever year that was, I guess it was early '80s, maybe. Yeah, something. Yeah, very early eighties, like 80, 81, 82, something like that. All right, and the last movie that we're gonna uh, discuss here, unfortunately, is uh, a lost film. Uh, it came out December third, nineteen twenty-two. Another American production. It's called A Blind Bargain. On IMDb, it's listed as a drama, horror, mystery. The synopsis is: Lon Chaney performs two roles: Doctor Lamb, a mad surgeon who's doing experiments on human bodies, and his crippled and apish assistant. The result of his first experiment. <laughs> uh, the total runtime is 57 minutes. Now, like I said, this film was considered lost. And the last print perished in the same vault fire that took out London After Midnight. Now, you know, from 1927. And mm-hmm. that happened in 1965. Now, the details on that, and they actually call it the 1965 MGM vault fire. It was a fire that happened in vault number seven there on the MGM backlot, which is now Sony Picture Studios in Culver City, California, and it happened August 10th, 1965. Uh, apparently, there was an electrical short that ignited the nitrate film. Now, you talk about that very yeah. volatile film. It didn't just light this shit up. It blew up. I mean, the, the whole vault exploded, and it actually killed at least one person. Um, and it And it destroyed the entire contents of the vault. Archive prints of silent and early sound films produced by MGM and its predecessors. Because, uh, you know, the MGM, Metro Goldwyn Mayer, was actually three studios before it became MGM. It was like, you know, there was a, uh, a Metro Pictures or Metro Studios or whatever. Then there was Goldwyn Pictures and then there was uh, Louis B. Mayer had a studio. They all kind of came together to form the MGM. So all the films that would have even happened before that merger were in this room. And... Um, the only known copies of hundreds of these films were in that vault and poof, all just gone to history. Just, you know, one electrical short took out, yeah. took out years be, of film history. Yeah. That'd be the, uh, I guess today's equivalent of, uh, having something deleted from your, uh, <laughs> you yeah. know, yeah. So somebody taking a drill through a hard drive and you know, yeah. walking away. Yeah. Like, just, yeah. Yeah. Lost it, forever. It, it's unfortunate too. Cause you know, you know, some of those were, Probably some cool films that, you know, you could have learned, you know, in history classes and, and you know, just in, in film history and everything would have had a proper place. They're just gone, you know, just all gone. Mm-hmm. And that was a, a time slightly before they really started to preserve films. And I think I had read somewhere where they, they were literally just about to start the process of transferring those old nitrate films to, like, the current safety film of the time. Yeah. You know, so it wouldn't fucking blow up, right? They were just about literally to start that process when this happened. So poof, just gone. And a lot of it was like Lon Chaney classics like this one. Mm. Um, and like Smoke, you've talked about that one before. Um, the other one by uh, London After Midnight, which is, you know, supposedly one of the ones that everybody wants to see, right? Yeah, and it, it's even, they've even gone so far. I think maybe it was Turner Classic Movies or maybe it was AMC. Not, you know, American movie classics or whatever. Somebody had tried to piece together what was left of it and used some still photos. And I think there might be some sort of a little bit of moving footage. I can't remember. And then just put together this piecemeal Frankenstein <laughs> version yeah. of London After Midnight. I guess just trying to appease people as much as they could with what they had. You know? Yeah, yeah. But 
unfortunately it's not the actual thing. And uh, yeah, that would be just, that would be a find of finds if somebody was to come across yeah. a print of that. Yeah, no doubt. And it's, such as this one too, uh, a blind bargain, kind of the same, same thing. It was based on a, on a Barry Palin 1897 novel called the octave of Claudius. And uh, it actually has a cameo appearance in the movie of Wallace Beery, who was uh, who actually won the Best Actor Oscar in 1931 for the movie The Champ. Um, but he has like this weird cameo appearance, like like at the very end of the movie as the Ape Man. I, I'm guessing that's the apish assistant or whatever the hell that they're talking about I guess here. So I guess we'll never know, right? Because we'll never see it, you know, unless uh, some yeah. version of the movie pops up. But uh, since it's lost, it you know you can't watch it anywhere on streaming or anything like that, and there were no you know, uh, critic scores or anything, but really that's all we had from, uh, from the year 1922. That was horror. I mean, I, I think it's a, a cool little deep dive on a lot of movies that, yeah. we, you know, some two movies that will never, unfortunately, you know, uh, in, unless we just, you know, someone trips upon it one day, we'll never get to see, but these other four movies, they are out there in various ways. Nosferatu, uh, Haxon, one exciting night, and uh, the headless horseman. You can go watch those in various ways. Yeah, I guess. I really, I guess that's about all we have for this week, right, guys? That I mean, wraps it up, man. Y'all have anything else to add about old 1922 here before we close the chapter? Oh, uh, man, you know, uh, who's who's to know what uh, you know the next hundred years, you know, hundred years from now is, you know, maybe uh, yeah, people our, uh, our uh, grandkids or hell, probably our great grandkids will be uh, doing their podcast a hundred years from now and. <laughs> Yeah, and talking about <laughs> well, can you can you imagine the lost film of that that horrible Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake that? <laughs> yeah, it's a hundred years ago today. <laughs> Who knows how they'll they be? Lost, they lost it on purpose. Yeah, <laughs> there's just a whole a whole thing of uh, movies there that just somebody accidentally hit the delete button and then and there you go. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, who knows a hundred years from now, who knows the way they'll look back on this time period, you know, like the way we, yeah. look, the way we look back on these movies, they'll look back on, you know, the, the scream movies and, you know, all yeah. these movies that we're watching now that are brand new. It's crazy to think that way, you know, like the time capsule type stuff, but yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I interesting. This is cool, man. Yeah. I thought it was uh, worth bringing up since it was the hundredth anniversary of Nosferatu, yeah. you know, one of the more influential silent films and horror, you know, that really kind of got horror to where it is today really you know it was one of the yeah. biggest influences so um make sure you come back and celebrate saint patrick's day with us next week as uh episode 99 comes out leprechaun in the hood we'll all be in studio for that uh so yep. you want to you want to come back and check that out next monday and then of course be ready for episode 100 where we do a uh live well not live but like a watch along commentary uh, episode where we're actually all going to be in the same room at the same time watching Frankenhooker all at the same time. So come join the fun for that in our big episode 100 extravaganza and all the things that we have planned after that. Uh, lots of cool things coming your way. So uh, for Will, who couldn't be with us, and for Donnie and Professor Smoke, I'm Josh. We are the All-American Spook Show Horror Podcast, and we will talk to you next week. Please replace the speaker on its rack when you're ready to leave. Failure to do so will damage both the speaker and your car. We'll be grateful, and so will the patrons who follow you.